0: Welcome to e commerce innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e commerce acceleration. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This is John LeBaron, I am the Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern. And today we are thrilled to introduce you to Nancy Eichler. She is the VP of e-commerce and international at MegaFood and uh, would love to learn a little bit more. Thank you so much for joining the show today, Nancy.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. I know no audience button. Ah, <laughs> I get yeah, that? no
0: popping. <laughs> We'll add that in afterwards. Um, So yeah, let's dive right into it, Nancy. Tell us a little bit about, and we are obviously kind of remote today. We're not in person, but I have met you in person. I have that privilege before the whole world melted with COVID. So tell us a little bit about MegaFood and and what a VP of e-commerce and international does at a VMS company.
1: So um, MegaFood is, we mentioned VMS. VMS stands for Vitamins, Minerals, and Supplements. So within the VMS space, um, you know, it is it is a uh, we deal with a lot of regulatory issues surrounding you know products and claims you can make and things like that. Yep. Um, within the e-commerce space, one of the things that we discovered several years ago was that um, while our our backbone has kind of been in the uh, natural space um, at MegaFood, that all of a sudden we were finding an explosion online. And so the decision was made several years ago to go ahead and bring in uh, some subject matter experts and see if we could build that out. So that was the addition of me. I joined the organization in July of 2018. And um, we've continued to build uh, from you know a, the, the marketplace position, such as Amazon, as well as from a pure play perspective with customers like IRB and Vitacost uh, and Thrive. And then within our own D2C site, which coincidentally launched just about the time that I started at Mega Foods. So, um, you know, very exciting for us as a business to to dive into the e-commerce space, particularly as we look at what happened in 2020 and a lot of consumers really pivoting um, to embrace that space.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And maybe just on that topic, I mean, what were some of the preparations that you did in terms of that transition to e-commerce or or to digital that really ended up paying off for you guys during the pandemic?
1: Well, I think what happened was it it wasn't so much us pivoting as it was the consumer pivoting Uh and as the consumer embraced, um, you know, online shopping and and I, I would say it's you know, you've seen the um, buy online, pick up in store, the BOPIS, um, or, or, you know, or delivery services like Instacart and Shipt, um, et cetera, and then and then companies like uh, you know, uh, just deciding to create their own home delivery services. Um, you know, Whole Foods, as an example, through Prime you know being able to actually buy online and deliver not through these third parties they had had an instacart relationship prior and they they uh, went direct themselves so um anyhow and, and sprouts you know where where what we're seeing is this major transition happening where you know folks that we would have considered traditional brick and mortar players really embracing that arena and having this kind of agnostic Approach that they want their consumers to be their consumers, no matter if they prefer to transact online um, or transact in store. And so where, where we fell was just being able to provide a service to consumers and provide our products to consumers through a variety of channels. And that's ultimately, we want the consumers to make those choices and for us to be there. Um, when they do. And, and, you know, if they shift to a different channel, that that none of us have recognized yet, we would also want to be there um, when they're ready.
0: Yeah, I love it. And a lot of strategic planning in that. Well, i want to go into your background. But maybe before I do, I would love for you to just give a little bit more I know you gave a, a, a brief commercial on who mega food is right in the beginning, but maybe just a little bit more of a deep dive you guys i think it was like one of the pioneers kind of in this space and if people are not familiar with MegaFood, i guarantee if you saw the label you would recognize uh, Food. so maybe just tell a little bit you know, where you guys play in the space you know how long have you been going some of the key differentiators because it's such a, it's a it's such a great brand
1: well i think you know, one of the things that I would say is I think, in you know, maybe a modern term that people would use, we're sort of an OG. Um, but I think of us as a, a little bit of a retro brand, you know, sure. that, that we are, our, our roots go back to the seventies. Um, and, and we've really stuck to a lot of the principles that we, you know, that, that were around then, yeah. that we wanted to be an authentic brand that um had its had its roots in food in whole food and so creating supplements that are made with whole food in a responsible way right that that we really pioneered a, a glyphosate um, residue free push uh, allowing consumers to find products that weren't just sprayed with chemicals um, and 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 being and and now very much social impact is a part of our mission where we are a certified B Corp. We're also working um, heavily in the regenerative agriculture space. And so to us, you know, we we need to be not only responsible in the way we create products and what we say about our products, but we also need to be responsible with the ingredients and and you know, how those ingredients are, are created, right? That um, we work with responsible farming practices, for example, um, that we want to make sure that our farmers are, that their employees are receiving good wages, right? So it all kind of wraps into who mega food is. So that quality is really you know rooted in um the the health of our of uh, you know the products that we produce and and our approach to every supplement we make and i would say our you know the the our purpose is we exist to grow a healthier world and when you think about that even literally right that we have these whole food um ingredients that go into uh the majority of our supplements that's part of it
0: yeah well I mean, such amazing products. My family and I are huge fans of mega food. Uh, My wife loves the blood builder. And uh, the once a day, I've got this uh, Complex C right here sitting on my desk. I had one of those today. So, yeah, just really, really great supplements. Um, I guess, you know, thinking of this transition or the pivot you mentioned on the consumer side and things moving away from kind of maybe more of this in store. Especially where you guys were selling, I'm I'm guessing a lot of your bulk of your sales are kind of more in the specialty kind of retail, or or you know like a Whole Whole Foods, or you know some of these other types of retail where there's a more consultative aspect, I think, or more this trusted advisor helping you kind of choose. And as you've kind of moved, or or as customers have moved away from uh, that experience into more e-commerce, maybe what are some of the innovative strategies you guys have used to educate the consumer or still, you know, because there's been an obviously a massive influx of competitors, and and it's harder and harder to kind of help educate and compare and really refute some claims that might be happening uh, from other competitors or entrants into the market. How do you kind of juggle the brand story and the narrative and the authenticity? Through these new mediums and channels that the customers are going through from a digital perspective.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, from from an education perspective, education was always a strength of ours and still is. We had historically educated a retailer um, and and the in aisle experts, right? And so believing that they were in turn educating the consumer, and so a more educated consumer is going to select, you know, a, a product like ours. What has happened is that education has changed. It's sort of been upended, and we have to think of differently about what it means to educate a consumer. So, you know, we we are um, seeking ways to educate either through. We have our own um, naturopathic doctor on staff, um, Dr. Erin, and you can see her in, you know, she, she writes a number of our blogs. She's actively involved in uh, in the creation of our supplements. Right. And so we've even experimented with um, ask Aaron live with Aaron um, where consumers can schedule time to talk to her and we're experimenting with live chat where we also have, um, I'd say experimenting where it's, it's live generally Monday through Friday for 12 hours. Um, And, you know, we'd made a concerted effort in that front um, over the past couple of months. We'd had it live about a year ago and we were sort of off and on that channel. And we found that with time, particularly over the past few months, we've really increased that. And what we're seeing is, um, you know, kind of the fruits of the labor begin to, to pay off. But in addition, in our social impact initiatives that we have a um, our our expert regenerative agriculture expert bethany is is going out and speaking to farmers and we have a um, a a program where we're encouraging them to improve their practices and if they do you know we're involved in in assisting them um, to you know become either a possibly a mega food supplier or just enhance their own business so um our, all of that is part of that education process and i think the farming piece is really a, a major differentiator for us yep. in our approach you know really leading that initiative um i think in a way that a lot of other supplement brands aren't so that that's been i mean it's critical for us you know if you only have uh you know 50 60 years of um you know, growing seasons remaining, then what does that mean for you know us as, as a society? Right. And yeah. so it's so critical to us, not just from being responsible in the types of products that we produce, but making sure that it's full circle.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I know we've been focusing a little bit more on the e-commerce side. Tell us about the international side of megafood and, and your role specifically in what you know, remit you have and and what kind of keeps you up at night as it relates to the international side?
1: So international for us, you know, is, is in the VMS space, international is a little bit tricky. And, yes. you know, as, as you know, we're, we're working with you guys in a couple of regions. And within international, depending on the country, you might have different regulatory requirements, different um, certification requirements, um, disclosure requirements, paperwork requirements so there's a lot that goes into it and we also have to think about um, you know the, the, the handling of our product you know in, in regions of the world such as the UAE, very high heats there may be certain products that are harder to sell there but uh, we have to reconsider um, storage. and and whether we should even sell them in those regions. So as we look around the globe, we really focus on five regions in particular. Um, We have Canada, China, South Korea, uh, the UAE and Sweden at the moment. And we kinda wanna simplify and focus in those regions to make sure that, uh, that we're doing what we can to be successful without, you know, risking scalability, right? That that we don't want to necessarily go into a region with every single product we have. There might be restricted ingredients. Yep. There may be, um, you know, trademarking issues, and so we want to be we want to be cautious in those areas. And and we also still feel that there's a lot of room to be had within the U.S. So if it's taking too many resources away from what we're doing in the U.S. Um, we we're a little bit careful there, but ultimately when we think about international, there's, there's a significant opportunity. Um, I I think that U S product U S made products or, or U S companies are highly reputable within the supplement space internationally. And there are countries where, um, you know, they're they're specifically looking for U S products
0: yeah and and we're
1: thrilled to bring that to the table for them
0: yeah that's fantastic well we kind of dove right into all the nitty-gritty stuff let's back up for just a little bit and have some of the audience get to know you maybe on a more personal level how did you get into this world did you always start in this world um i would say both from e-commerce as well as the international side as well as vitamins and supplements I, i i'm always fascinated to hear how people kind of ended up and where their journey has taken them. So tell us a little bit of where you started and, and how you kind of grew up in this space and, and where some of these decisions have led you?
1: So I'm, I'm considered ancient on uh, the e-commerce scale. <laughs> so uh, I'm somewhat considered to be ancient, even not on the e-commerce scale.
0: <laughs> Me too. So
1: going back to uh, 1996, I began working with AOL. I came out of direct response television. So making infomercials and spots, you know, the Ginsu knives, the, uh, you know, the car wax, you name it. Um, I've, I've probably worked with it at some point, but what I loved about those practices in the direct response world, they were directly applicable to what happens in e-commerce, right? Is that you, you you're, it's constantly a test and learn environment. And so I think that felt like fresh perspective when I first entered e-commerce. We had, you know, AOL had a shopping portal uh, that we launched. And so we actually were doing all, we built the stores, we did the fulfillment for a number of companies like Fossil as an example, yeah. and, uh, and it, it just kind of built from there. I was involved in uh, Barnes & Noble, the launch of their very first site and their decision to go head-to-head against Amazon um, at that time in the book. And, and I believe the New York Times article, the, the, the weekend that they launched and launched a partnership with us, um, I believe the New York Times business section had, you know the headline was something about the, the book war, Wars Have Officially begun. so it was about their their pricing and they went immediately after amazon's pricing which you know is interesting because if you think about booksellers who were around back in the late 90s many of them don't exist today because they weren't willing to dive in and i think barnes and noble was one of the few um that actually managed to survive um that that era fast forward to um you know, I, I won't describe that my husband and I moved to a remote island at at some point, but uh, where he became a conch farmer. That's for another podcast, I think. Oh yeah, wow. Um, but then upon our return, um, we we you know I, I began working with a product called Brownie Brittle. Yep. Where I was the first employee um, outside of the founder. And so we took that product from, you know, basically it was, it was a very fledgling startup and built that to a $50 million brand within a matter of years. Wow. Um, I think in 2013, it was named the second fastest growing brand in Florida. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, and that was a lot of social media initiatives. Um, it was bootstrapping. It was, you know, really kind of inventing ourselves, you know, I'll never forget the, the, the celebrations around seeing that people were beginning to engage with us on social media that weren't friends and family members, right? (laughs) Like, I don't know who this person is. This is exciting. Um, so we had, we had some crazy, crazy things happen, uh, you know, and that, and that probably in and of itself is another book that, um, you know, from from experiencing you know knockoffs, right? Where um, you know even a, a, an extended family member uh, being involved in a company that attempted to knock us off, and and then their product went out of business, which was nice to see for us. Um, and then in, in a you know another situation where we had um, you know some of the big CPG companies coming up you know, random shows saying, you know, wanting to buy us um, or, or, you know, trying to be very sneaky in sending all their, their researchers, their R&D guys. When, when you see a lot of R&D guys from a major CPG company coming over to your booth, you know, at at a trade show, you know, that you have something good and you got to be careful. So, experiencing all of that it was like dog years you know that uh that you grow up quickly and um and so I was there for a number of years and then uh you know and and but in but in 2010 in terms of passions in 2010 I have gotten my holistic health certification in um from the institute Institute of Integrative Nutrition and you know, I, I really had a passion for wellness and health and ended up discovering Mega Foods product in about 2013, 2014, actually through an Amazon search as every, you know, so many go to Amazon to, to research products. And that's what I did. And I purchased the item and began buying it regularly through a subscription. Fast forward then to um, 2018 where I had the opportunity to, uh, to go there. And my history of knowing that, first of all, you know, the passion for health and wellness um, was, was an easy one to, to turn to a product like this. But the fact that it was mega food and I knew, um, I, I've been familiar with the product for a number of years. Um, it, it, was, it was just really a great opportunity for me to, to mix some passions together.
0: I love that. And I think, you know, as we mature in our careers, that authenticity and between what we're doing and who we want to surround ourselves with, and what we want to dedicate our time to starts to come into a little bit more relief, and, uh, and deep focus. So I love, I love hearing about that. I didn't, I didn't know that. And that's really fascinating. So, uh, so you come over and you start at MegaFood. And what's the journey been like there? You know, one of our core values here at Pattern is data fanatics. And we like to pride ourselves and our CEO, Dave, spent a lot of time uh, in data management before he started this company. And, uh, you know, the, the data nerds around here are the all the I would say unsung heroes, but they're very sung. You know, one of our, we just had our values week last week and our head of data science won one of the overall value awards. And uh, if he's listening, Jacob, you're as, as nerdy as they get. So one of, uh, yeah, I think it was maybe it was where your brand manager said, you know, Megafood is one of the most data fanatical companies we've ever met. Can you tell us a little bit about wow. how, like the role that data plays in everything from product development to distribution to e-commerce, et cetera. Uh, where, do, where does that fit in for you guys?
1: Well, I'll take that as a huge compliment. Um, <laughs> it is. You know, what, one of the things that I can tell you is, um, you know, the, the first time that we met Pattern, uh, I think that, you know, just, just listening to um, Dave talk yeah. um, and, and Steve, that it was just like, you know, it was everything we wanted to hear from a partnership that you guys were at, at least, if not more so interested in in getting to the data and helping the data to, you know, kind of guide the the, the journey. And that's how we felt. And I think at the time we we were struggling with um, making sure we had the right data and that it was consistent. Yeah. Um, Because I think it was a, some of what we were getting was a little choppy. And so a lot of what you guys were doing, we felt was very, very innovative. And I have to tell you, there was one gentleman I spoke to as we, we were considering working with Pattern. There's one gentleman I spoke to who had been around Amazon for almost as long as I have. Um, and, and he was probably more involved. So I, my role with Amazon, I had you know other pure plays and a D2C site and a lot of social initiatives. Yeah. Whereas his focus had always been Amazon. And he, he referenced to me that in working with you guys, um, you're, you're one of the few companies that he, you know, where he was often teaching people, you were one of the few companies that actually taught him some things. Wow. And so I really listened to that, knowing, you know, how much I respected his opinion. And, uh, and that's what I found was that you guys were really good at not only knowing your stuff, but actually even educating, you know, an ancient dog like me. And, you know, I would say that reliable data for us is critical. You can be swimming in data, which at times has been one of MegaFood's problems, wow. um, but yet you're paralyzed with decisions surrounding it. How do I utilize this? And, you know, the data by itself isn't enough what we we want to connect the dots we want you know the big thing is data has to drive insights insights have to drive actions actions have to drive results and then to us then that flywheel is created and the more you you know keep going the momentum is built and um and so that's really we we, we live that And I think that you guys have really helped us in pulling some of that data down to to drive those insights so that we can create the action steps and see the results.
0: Oh, that's, that's really pleasing to hear and really just wanted to hear the role that data plays in your organization. And I think you're absolutely right. So many of us find ourselves swimming in that data, but is it reliable? Is it actionable? You know, is... Is there a way to kind of aggregate it up and and be able to detect some of those trends, et cetera? Is is just so increasingly critical. Well, I'm guessing in this question, I don't think was on the hit list. So feel free to demur if uh, if it doesn't tickle your fancy. But you know, one of the one of the things I think is really interesting for you specifically is that I think you have a very good kind of background and understanding of a first party relationship with someone that owns a marketplace like Amazon versus doing it yourself, uh, AKA like your D2C, et cetera, versus working with a third party um, or maybe even multiple part, third parties, like a pattern, et cetera. And can you help us understand like what maybe some of those experiences have taught you? Maybe some of the, the good things about one P or, or some other great things about three P or, or the in-source versus the outsource. Like you've been in this, kind of hot mess of uh, an intersection of a lot of different models. And what are some of the major takeaways that you've had and learned and, and kind of been exposed to?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, being, being in, in control of your entire destiny as we are on D2C, right? Yeah. Um, versus having the relationship that we do with pattern where we're really trusting a partnership. Yep. You know, I, what I like is, um, you know, I'm, I'm always a fan of not, not putting all eggs in one basket, right? Sort of, um, yep. you know, spreading the risk to some degree. Um, I think on D 2 C, you know, some of the learnings that we have, which, which I had previously learned through a 3P direct relationship as well, you have a lot more risk. Uh, financially, right? That that fulfillment costs um, yeah. that that can rise uh, dramatically. And you know, we we in an effort, it's it's sort of that Amazon standard that you can't get away. Years ago, right? When I was in the direct response television world, you would say four to six weeks for shipping. If you said that today, you wouldn't sell anything. Right? <laughs> totally, totally. So so now it's two days. Yep. Right? That, that, that it's almost like this, um, you know, the, the, that we've amped up that expectation. And so and, and Amazon's responsible for that, while the rest of us are kind of left holding that financial bag, you know, and we don't have the same shipping rates that they do. Sure. So it's it's this Amazon standard, but it's a consumer expectation we we deal with the same thing on a customer experience our customer service side of our business where you know it used to be that consumers expected an email response within a certain amount of time yeah. you know we now put the standard at 24 hours but in surveys consumers say they expect an answer within an hour right okay. that that it keeps going and now we're going to one day so the costs of that are so prohibitive in in you know for us for d2c yeah. that if we can have that Amazon partnership where Amazon is fulfilling, there's a benefit to that. There's also that that a partner like Pattern does it on a, such a scale that we don't. We still have a significant portion of our business that is brick and mortar. Yeah. And we need to support that business. So you guys are these subject matter experts that can come in and help partner with us and help us run that business more efficiently on the e-commerce side, then perhaps we could do ourselves and minimizing that risk while bringing this, this expertise to the table. So, you know, I think, I think from, and, and then there's on the one piece side, certainly there's value there. Um, the, the greatest problem is the the you know, whiplash that you get with the purchase orders, um, you know, that, that, that you think you know what to expect you know I, I mean I don't think I ever received um, a forecast from Amazon that was even remotely within you know the, the actual sure. realm of what the PO should you know ended up being. So yes. that unpredictability and you know I think internally one of the, t- one of the things that we sometimes struggle with is the, is the forecasting. And if you rely on Amazon and from a 1p perspective, it really can be all over the map. And you can end up with way too much product or not enough product. And I think working with um, Pattern, there have been times for us where we've said, hey, you know, we, we how are you guys poised? Because we got to pull back some of the inventory. You know, when demands become really high during COVID, you know, and we have certain products. How are you poised for this? And maybe even dropping a couple of cases for you last minute that you're able to get quickly into the Amazon warehouse or do through um, seller fulfilled um, position where we might not be able to do that. I I don't know um, if our business would be in a great position considering all the other businesses we're trying to service to be able to ship to Amazon without getting all those penalties, right? Yeah. So if, if you're too far off of their PO, they may ding you.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: So they're there, you know, for us, it's, a, it's a, it's a bit of a balance.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, we've covered a lot of ground here already. Uh, one of the other things that are just in the spirit of the podcast title and, and innovation, I mean, you walked us through a lot of different innovation at the company level, right? Um, Everything from the farming practices to the way you've engaged customers, to the experts you've hired, to the certified B Corp. Um, I think about some of the things that we've been able to do, innovative things during the partnership, like, you know, Amazon Live and, and some of the, you know, in-stock productions or even some of the advertising stuff and the digital shelf, um, competitive analysis, all that sort of fun stuff. Maybe you can help walk us through, like, you know, in your role, how do you compete how do you maintain a competitive edge and how do you seek to kind of innovate within your role or, or even within the company as a whole as it relates to both e-commerce and international? What does that formula kind of look like for you?
1: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one thing I'll tell you is that it can be hard in, in you know, what feels to be a highly regulated industry yeah. Yeah. Um, because we sometimes, relative to our competitors, can't go as far as fast. Yep. Not because we're incapable, but more because we're unwilling to take those kinds of risks. Sure. We're, you know, and, and so it's a really weird dynamic within this space. It's one that I didn't experience in my last role um, at Brownie Brittle. I mean, I could say pretty much anything I wanted about a chocolate yeah. cookie, right? Oh um, where now, you know, there are certain terms that you can't use. There are a lot of caveats. You know, I was used to creating creative much faster, to yeah. creating text, or even sometimes, you know, again, back in this startup, writing my own copy, you know, producing some of my own art. And um, here, you know, we need to make sure that we go through all these steps before we we release something And we know that we're competing against companies that aren't taking that same level of caution as we are. So it, it makes that, you know, competition a very different type. It's sort of like, you know, they're, they're showing up with a much larger weapon, right? Is the, what's the expression? Bringing a knife to a gunfight. So, um, that's what it feels like sometime, but our, our, our weapon is our reputation. You know, is is the the um, you know the accountability, our advocacy, you know, our trustworthiness as a brand, and hoping that consumers discover that and and aren't dissuaded when they find out that maybe a claim that another competitor might have made isn't a legitimate claim. Sure. You know, so I, and and I would say the other the other piece for for me as, as um, you know, when I approach business that I learned back in the DRTV days, it's about test and learn really in anything that you do and being willing to try things and, you know, experiments and openness. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, um, in the world of improv, never saying no. Right. That's right. It, it's it's responding with well. How how would we execute this? How do we bring down the costs? As opposed to, we we can't because you know I mean even from our perspective you know trying to come up with from you know our regulatory team asking them if they will produce a you know a regulatory guidelines so that we can pop through creative faster instead of needing to get it pre-approved and brand guidelines that we can, you know, move move faster um, to be a little more reactive in a space where, you know, on Black Friday, you might want to be able to be, you know, change your strategy within an hour.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's very on demand. And it, it is really amazing as you were talking about how even consumers, well, even in the beginning of the conversations, how they've pivoted but how those expectations, it's just this hunger for everything to get to you now and be there. And it's one thing to be in consumables, but it's another, I mean, can you imagine the shakeup and the shaking in the boots right now of everything from, man, prescription drugs, to railroad ties, to catheters, to all these other kind of sleepier industries that have had that luxury of Well, call the distributor and then we'll get it sent to you and open a PO and it should be there in the next six weeks. And you have all these, you know, millennials and Gen Zs coming up through the ranks that that's going to be a non-starter. They're just going to want their CAT scan machines or their, you know, sutures or whatever it is that they're buying, their industrial bolts, Uh, they're going to want them Amazon Prime. So it'll be interesting to see how many of these additional kind of groups get disrupted and,
1: and then there are these wild swings that happen of you know Facebook didn't exist when when you know only I mean 20 years ago so and and then you see the onset of TikTok and you see you see these things that come around and and how do you embrace them without wasting resources and yeah. so you have to be willing to try different things and be open, you know, um, while also being mindful that it could be a complete waste. <laughs> right? and, and that's the same with even personalization, right? Personalization isn't feels like it's unscalable. Yeah. So how do you do it in a scalable manner? Because that's what consumers want. They want to know that a product has been and an experience has been created for them. know and that they've been part of it i think that's a you know listening to consumers um is is critical in this day and age you know when when i started out in the advertising world it was formulaic it was purely formulaic where you you know it was gross rating points and you did things a certain way and you were almost guaranteed performance off of that in today's world yeah you can spend a lot of money in a lot of places that aren't going to prove out. So, going, you know, um, with a with um, somewhat aggressively while also cautious, you know, y- you have to play those two sides of it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. So, maybe the last question I can ask you is, earlier we talked about you've got your first child going off to college, and man, I, I can't imagine going to college again right now, and the dizzying array of majors and you know certifications and all these different career choices that didn't even honestly exist um, back when I was younger. So I guess maybe that'll be my one of my parting questions here is: What advice would you have to anyone looking to get into e-commerce or into international? What are the competencies that are required? that you really need to be good at, where should they double down to to be successful in these types of roles at at these types of companies?
1: I think probably the number one skill set that I hire for is curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be a curious person um, and and willing to put yourself out there. I I would say there there are a lot of different directions you can go. You got to try it. I mean, I've talked to people who have created their own storefronts, their own podcasts. Not, not they're coming after your job, John. <laughs> but the the idea that, um, and I will tell you, you know, I read an article recently about, um, and and you you may have seen it, but uh, that that there are a lot fewer boys who are entering college. Yeah. Than, than there are girls. And that the rate of college degrees within a matter of a couple of years is gonna be a two to one of women graduating versus men. Yeah. And so I sat down with my son just to ask him his perspective on why. And he said, there's so much material out there that you can learn from. You can teach yourself pretty much anything you want to. You know, if if you're curious enough, you know and you go out there and you can start trying it you know from i mean as simple as you know how to play the guitar um you know that and if that's the case i mean think about all the sites right now where people are giving free you know uh information how many white papers you have access to today you know they're they're constantly giving out ways to You know, be better at something, differentiate yourself at something, learn a new skill. Um, you know, one of the first places I go is, you know, some, a, a a site search capability to look something up. You know, if I, if I have a problem on, on, uh, my, my cell phone or with a computer, that's where I go, you know, not needing to pull resources in the way I used to. So I think that, you know, go out there, explore, experiment. Um, be curious and um, and yeah and I, I I think that there's they're bringing a lot to the table very different and and I'm I actually am really interested to see what happens with the traditional college education what does it look like ten years from now you know does Google University come up and you know displace some of this I mean in that same way that other tools like Instacart became yeah. highly relevant um, and yet didn't even exist not that long ago, so.
0: Yeah, a lot of good points to chew on. I think there's just so much that is at risk of being disrupted through this new technology and being curious. And I think dovetailing with that sentiment is really you know, something I look for as well, which is like a tolerance for failure and a tolerance for ambiguity. Because with that curiosity comes, wow! What if I do it wrong, or I've never done this before? And I, I can think of a thing, couple of things just over the weekend. You know, I, I turn to YouTube. You know, whether it's changing my oil on my motorcycle or figuring out how to hang, you know, some or fix some appliance. Like it's, it's amazing how much you can learn through people that are just honestly creating the content almost out of the goodness of their own hearts or their own curiosity or their own passion for it. So I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see what comes of traditional education and uh, you know the ability to get it on demand, to get it specialized, to get it pretty tailored to your specific application is quite strong, but. Uh, yeah, you
1: know. I, think, I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting to think about the next generation of, of digital. You know. And, and what happens, I mean, you can see where, you know, the, the, the big guys in the tech space are investing, right? Yep. Health and wellness is a big area that they're investing in, you know, yep. wearables, right? And and what, I, I mean, I have a whole vision of, you know, 10 years from now, how what I think is going to happen when John LeBaron wakes up in the morning and he's got these devices telling him what he needs to do that day and what music he needs to listen to and colors he needs to be around and smells. And yeah, I think that there's, you know, that it's, it's going to be very self-service, but also directed by, um, you know, different apps and wearables that we'll be using. So thinking about, you know, how we move forward in that direction and how we remain relevant as part of that um and and as valuable to the consumer today um or in the future as we are today if not more so
0: yeah i agree 100 percent. and hey as long as i'm waking up in 10 years uh, that's gonna be a good day for me so <laughs> let's keep keep plugging away here well nancy it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today and get to know you a little bit better and to hear some of your insights and congratulations on all of your career success and recent promotion and just keep crushing it over there and crank it out. Some really good supplements for me and my family.
1: Stay healthy.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for hopping on and uh, we'll catch you soon.
1: All right. Take care.
0: Take care. Bye. bye.